Hello, I'm Sandra Olwine, pastor here at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. And on behalf of our entire congregation and staff, I wanna welcome you to this time of worship. During these days of pandemic, we are continuing to worship virtually, not only to care for the health and well-being of our congregation, but of the broader community. But through the gift of the Spirit, we are able to still praise God and to give thanks for God's grace in our lives. We hope in this time you will be renewed in faith encouraged in your walk and discover a way to serve God in all that you do and all that you are. So in that spirit, let us turn our hearts to praise and prayer.
in anticipation that God will meet us this morning. Even though we are gathered in places far and near, please join us in the call to worship. We lift up our souls to you, holy God. We trust the Lord with our past, present, and future. Teach us, Lord, that we may know your ways. Guide our every move, Holy One, that we may walk in your paths of love and mercy. Let us worship the one who leads us in what is right. Together, let us worship God. We will wait for you, O God. Your spirit compels us to go into the wilderness, and we ask for the courage to examine the desert places in our hearts and to be willing to face the adversaries in our lives, that which lures us away from being who you have created us to be. We pray for the courage to face our wild beasts and fears 
relieve the troubles of our hearts and the devastation of our distress. Turn your love towards us that we may know your grace in our loneliness and afflictions. We pray this prayer knowing that you watch over us and deliver us. We wait for you, O God. In the name of our brother Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good morning, young Christians. Last week, we talked about fairness and justice and how justice is more important to God. Well, this week, we're talking about humility or being humble. What does it mean to be humble or to have humility? Have you ever been around someone who acted like they were more important than everyone else? You probably have. Those people are not a lot of fun to be around. Well, being humble is the opposite of that. Being humble means that you don't act like you're more important than other people. Instead, you pay attention to other people and what they might need. You think about how other people feel. You care about other people instead of only yourself. That's being humble. There's a scripture in the Bible from Philippians. Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in a place called Philippi. Some of the people in the church were not getting along and Paul said, you need to be humble. He said, instead of only thinking about your interests, the things that you want and you need, you should look out for the interests of others. Like if your favorite game is soccer, but your brother or sister's favorite game to play is baseball. To be humble would be to say, we can play your game first. It's not always easy to be humble. But Paul reminds us that we have the best example of humility in Jesus. He said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Or another way to put it is have the same attitude as Jesus did. Even though Jesus was equal to God, he didn't cling on to how important he was. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges took the position of a slave or a servant. He put himself on the very bottom. Remember when he washed his disciples' feet? He was God, and yet he was born as a human to a poor family in a small town. By the way, did you get to choose where you were born? Did you choose your country or your town or your parents? No. Jesus was as high as God, as important as God, and yet he was born a human, just like you and me. He lived his whole life listening to God and following God, and then when he died, he was treated like a criminal. He died a criminal's death on a cross. Talk about humility. In church today, we're talking about something called immigration. Immigration is when someone moves to a country from somewhere else. You might remember that last week in our Bible story in Sunday school, we talked about Abram, who later was called Abraham. God called him to move from where he lived to somewhere else. That's immigration. Have you ever moved to a new place? 
Moving can be exciting, but it also can be a little scary and overwhelming. Imagine what it would be like to move to a whole different country. What if you didn't speak the same language as everyone there? What if you didn't know anyone at your new school? That would be really hard. Immigration can be a tricky thing to talk about. Sometimes when people move here from another place and they speak a different language and they do things differently than you and your family, it may feel a little strained and you may not be sure what to do. But this passage from the Bible in Philippians reminds us that we shouldn't just look out for our interests, but we should look to the interests of others. We should think about how they feel, what they need, what might make them feel welcome. We should be humble and try our best to have the mind and attitude of Jesus. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for showing us humility. Thank you for caring for all of us and putting others before yourself. Help us to have a mind like yours. Help us to have an attitude like yours. Help us to care for others in the way that you showed us. Amen. The first scripture lesson comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians and is considered to contain one of the earliest Christian hymns. Listen to these words from the second chapter, verses 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that all at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. trust in you. Let me not be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Let none who look to you be put to shame, rather let those be put to shame who are treacherous. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. In you have I trusted all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and love, for they are from everlasting. Remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. Remember me according to your steadfast love, and for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. and upright, O Lord. Therefore you teach sinners in your way. You lead the lowly in justice and teach the lowly your way. All your paths, O Lord, are steadfast love and faithfulness to those who keep your covenant and your testimonies. The Gospel lesson today comes from Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses 23 through 32. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say, from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say, of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. 
And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. My God, I put my trust in you. Let me not be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me, cries the psalmist, cries the oppressed, cries the refugee. They were threatening to kill us. They shot at our windows. They burned down our church. It was really horrifying. They are called Boko Haram. They could enter and ask, oh, is it that you change your religion? or they will be edgy right there. So you have to just decide, do you want to continue in your faith or you want to die? Yeah. ¿Cómo era tu vida en Honduras antes de venir a Estados Unidos? Estuve casada 20 años, fue en un matrimonio. Pero por la violencia doméstica decidí abandonar. Eh, salí con mis tres hijos de, de un lugar a otro, lo cual pues me convertí en una campesina. Y luego pues eh, fui electa a secretaria de la NASH. La NASH es una organización que es muy importante en Honduras y a nivel internacional pues es un sindicato agrario, el cual eh, ayuda al sector campesino. Eh, yo ocupaba el cargo de secretaria de Asuntos Femeninos dentro del Comité Ejecutivo Nacional de la NASH. Y también eh, formaba parte de, un, del mismo grupo campesino al cual yo pertenecía. Eh, formamos la Caja Rural y yo era la presidenta. Y pues como mi, mi cargo era asuntos femeninos y juveniles, eh, era como velar por las mujeres y velar por las jóvenes y los jóvenes. A medida que mi, mi liderazgo iba como aumentando, eh, pues ya no le gustó lo que es al, al estado de Honduras. Y fuimos desalojados violentamente. Eh, denunciando todo lo que nos habían hecho, que habían, habían violado, perdón, nuestros derechos. Y desde ese momento eh, empecé yo a sentir como que algo me iba a pasar, porque era algo muy fuerte lo que yo había dicho en contra del Estado. Y fue tanta la, la insistencia 
del gobierno que yo no tenía paz, ya no podía trabajar. Eh, pues lo que hice fue esconder mis hijos y yo venía siempre a seguir adelante con los trabajos colectivos y con las reuniones, pero ya era más difícil para mí, empecé a ser perseguida, me persiguieron, me persiguieron perdón, por dos veces, intentó un joven matarme con un arma, con machete, pero gracias a Dios, por la fe que siempre he tenido, nos agarraban a tiros desde la calle y salíamos todas las familias con nuestros hijos corriendo y las balas cayéndonos encima. Al ver que yo ya no podía ni trabajar ni, ni salir de mi casa, yo en cuanto dormía en una casa dormía en otra. Y luego me sentí que dije, hasta aquí, ya no aguanto más. Y me hinqué de rodillas pidiéndole a Dios que dirigiera mi vida porque yo ya no podía. Y bueno, terminando mi oración, eh, puse el radio y salieron las noticias, pero así, eh, eh, noticia de última hora, hay una gran caravana migratoria. Y por todas esas razones, yo no, nomás agarré una cartera, mis papeles y me vine. Nobody just picks up and takes their child and walks 3,000 miles to a country where they know nobody, unless they believe that their lives and their children's lives are in danger. Throughout scripture, we read stories of refugees finding welcome in new lands. Jesus began his life fleeing persecution as a refugee in Egypt. As United Methodists, we're called to provide wherever possible pastoral care and crisis intervention to refugees. Since 2017, the current federal administration has reduced the United States Refugee Resettlement Program by 75%. For almost 40 years, the average annual resettlement goal has been 95,000 refugees. But in 2019, the admissions goal was reduced to a record low 30,000 refugees. And in 2020, a ceiling of 18,000 has been set, effectively gutting refugee resettlement. The president also signed an executive order that clears the way for state and local governments to actually block refugees from their communities. At a time when refugees are coming to the United States seeking safety and security, this action is contrary to our faith. For the Bible calls us to show hospitality to strangers, particularly those in need. This morning, we're joined by Bill Jenkins, Executive Director of Safe Harbors, one of the programs of Christ United Methodist Ministry Center in San Diego, through which they seek to provide us shelter and basic essentials for immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers. Matt Caldwell, pastor at Knox Presbyterian Church here in Pasadena, also joins us to share that congregation's journey, which has led them to their relationship with Irma, whose story you began to hear just a few moments ago. Bill, can you share with us what has compelled you to engage in this important work? And Matt, how did Knox find its way to providing sanctuary for Irma? Uh, I'm compelled to do this because of uh, Matthew 25, the mind of Christ where Jesus said, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was sick, I was in prison, and I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. So if I don't welcome the stranger, then uh, then I'm not 
living the, the mind of Christ. And the Philippians passage that speaks to this too when it talks about humility and how we, if we have God's love and we, we experience God's love, why can't we share that love with uh, our fellow sisters and brothers? One was the 2016 election. Uh, and I would say also the rhetoric uh, that led up to that election. That left a number of people in our church really concerned about what sort of fate uh, awaited uh, immigrant sisters and brothers, recent immigrants, with all the anti-immigrant language and, and threats that were being used. So what happened, uh, there were a group of people who began having conversations of, Lord, what are we going to do? And, uh, there came a decision to say, hey, let's, let's get a group that regularly meets on this to, to try to think about what it means to be faithful to Jesus Christ in this moment, uh, particularly as it relates to solidarity with immigrants. Paul reminded the people in Philippi that because they had known encouragement in Christ, experienced the consolation of God's love, had known the Spirit's presence, they therefore should look not to their own interest, but to the interest of others letting the same mind be in them that was in Christ Jesus. How is that call to look to the interest of others, seeking to have the same mind that was in Christ, motivated, informed, and shaped your ministry with and among migrants and asylum seekers? As uh, a pastor of what was Christ United Methodist Church in the heart of San Diego, when I first came here, a group of Haitians who came to us in 2009, a year before the earthquake in, in uh, Port-au-Prince, and we welcomed them in. They, there were about 22 of them, and they said, we need, we're looking for a home. I said, well, this is your home now. <laughs> and they actually lived in the church building for about three months until we could help them get into an apartment, get, get uh, legal assistance with immigration. And, and they're all now functional citizens within our community, making tremendous contributions. But that was sort of, it was like the, the good Lord tested us. We must have passed that test because in 2016, um, we had 5,000 Haitians who came up from Brazil who had left uh, Haiti after the earthquake, and they were kicked out of Brazil uh, after they had cheap labor to build the Olympic Stadium and all that kind of stuff. And they, many of them on foot, crossed 11 borders, and they came to they came to San Diego. They came to Tijuana, first of all, and crossed the border. And they were living on the streets of, of San Diego because uh, they didn't have any money. They didn't speak the language. They didn't know what was going on. But because of this group that came in 2009, they had become uh, a Haitian congregation. And their pastor went down um, and, and drove the van around the street uh, where they were staying. They saw that word, Haitian Methodist Church. <laughs> they ran to him. And so he said, can, can I bring them to the church? And I thought, well, we had his group of 22 10 years ago. Why not? What could possibly go wrong here? And so he brought 12 that first night, 12 the next night, 25 the next night, 40 the next night, 75 the next night. And over a five-month period, we had over 5,000 Haitian immigrants who lived in our building. They slept on the pews, under the pews. And that's how we backed into uh this immigration ministry. We, we had a parsonage on our property that we have converted into what we're now calling the welcome home. Because you see, the city of San Diego closed us down. We had as many as 300 people in our building one night. And when the fire marshal found out about that, he said, no, 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 you can't do that. 
And they were nice. They worked with us, but they said, you can't house people in the church building any longer, not unless you're going to put 2 or $3 million worth of renovations in. But we looked and we said, hey, we've we got this parsonage right here next door to the church. And it's a nice four-bedroom home with a detached garage. And so we have converted that so that there are always beds available for people to come in. First and foremost, it's like the universal language, a smile, a hug, you know. Uh, I break out my translator <laughs> and try to communicate with them. It's a matter of just showing them, showing them that they're safe, showing them that we care. I always tell people, you know what, it, it takes a village. Welcome to the village and welcome to our family. There was a staff person who was hired to build connections between churches and undocumented folks uh, who had a credible case for asylum. Uh, that staff member, Christy, once she got in that position, she called up members of our immigration ministry team and said, hey, I know a person who is in Adelanto detention facility. She's got a strong case for asylum. So would you all be at all interested in supporting her and potentially housing her? And a uh, few of us said, yeah, we had, let's, uh, let's dive in. We went to visit her in Adelanto uh, for her court hearing and found a congregation member willing to house her temporarily and thought, let's, uh, let's begin this journey and see where it goes. Sure. What was happening here in San Diego is that the Department of Homeland Security was literally admitting asylum seekers into the United States and leaving them on the streets. Public benefits are not available to asylum seekers. They have no money. They have no way of making money because no work permit is given to them. Imagine trying to handle immigration court proceedings and also being homeless at the same time. Matt, working out our salvation with awe and wonder often brings trembling because obstacles and unexpected challenges do arise. What are the challenges or obstacles that your congregation at Knox has uh, discovered in coming alongside Irma? So we began uh, sort of this journey of partnering with Irma in her in pursuing her case for asylum. And we anticipated it would probably be a couple months. Well, it's now, but August 12th was the anniversary for her of a year in, first of all, this congregation member's home, having our immigration ministry team supporting her, providing for some of her needs because she's had several health challenges over that time. She's very concerned about her children. It's, uh, it's just this, there are a host of issues there, and now we're well over a year into it, and the slow pace of the asylum process in the United States means we don't know when the ending's going to be. So what we thought was a sprint has really turned into a marathon. That is, she's got the ankle bracelet, which has been a real tough piece to have on. It's gone off at odd hours. The technology of it hasn't worked. It's 
one thing that certainly this process has helped alert us to is just some of the craziness of the, of the process and how dehumanizing it can feel for the person, person going through it. And then the, the challenge of really getting good uh, legal representation. She, like so many uh, undocumented folks, are dependent on nonprofits like Chirla, and Chirla has been a godsend, but even for Chirla, they're overwhelmed with the legal need for representation. And so it's, it's a system where unless undocumented folks have excellent representation, it's very hard to, to push your case through. Had she not had a congregation willing to say, hey, we will support you, she would have still be stuck in Adelanto. And I got to go to Adelanto, and it's a prison. The psalmist writes, show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and you have I trusted all the day long. Well, opening ourselves to God's teaching, to God's leading, is a risky business, for such engagement means change is coming. God's Spirit working in us brings transformation in our personal lives, in our congregation's missional focus, and how we then engage the public world around us. So how has transformation been experienced in your lives, personally and congregationally? Pues llegué a mi corte yo con una emoción, ¿verdad? Porque jamás, solo la abogada yo, y digo, tengo tres personas que, que me están acompañando en este momento tan especial. Pues yo, ¿quién será? ¿Quién será? Porque en este lado, todas nosotras que vamos a corte, y a este, a este lado los abogados y las familias. Pues yo, y cuando volteo a ver, pues yo miro que me hacen así, era Cristi, y digo, yo creo que ella es, pues yo también. Y luego, cuando ya me llamaron, eh, ya nos despedimos, ya, ya miré que era el Pastor Mateo, eh, fueron los primeros que conocí, Cristi y Josué. Cuando salgo, el siguiente día, eh, me voy a traer Brian, Josué y una joven, que no, no recuerdo el nombre. Mm. Bueno, eh, me trajeron a casa de Cristi, que también lo cual le agradezco mucho porque sin conocerme, sin saber quién era yo, me abrió las puertas de su casa. Y porque eh, en esos días creo que la familia de Erickson andaban de vacaciones. Cuando regresaron, eh, que fue el 12 de, recuerdo, ¿verdad? El, el, eh, yo salí el 9 y el 12, parece que vine aquí. ¿El 12 de qué mes? El 12 de agosto. agosto. Sí. O sea, y bueno. Hace más de un año. Hace más de un año. Y eso, pues, bueno, estoy aquí con esta gran familia. I think it does uh, transform how we understand Christ's work in the world, that uh, there's, it gives a very personal uh, quality to this big issue like immigration and undocumented immigrants. It really helps us to see uh, that bigger issue, to put a human face on it, and then to really explore, okay, what does, if, if we understand the ministry and call of Jesus Christ to be solidarity with the outcast, to be concerned for those whom are, are victims of oppression or injustice, 
how do we live that out and what does it what does it mean to do and what are the what are the challenges you face with it how do you develop capacity for it you know something our immigration ministry team has had to really wrestle with is all right what can we provide because as we've drawn deep into this journey with Irma, Irma now has all these other family members and friends who have a host of needs too. So wait, how do we, how do you begin to address all of that? And that then begins to point you to, okay, what does it mean as uh, to be about systemic change? And how do we have the mind of Christ when it comes to thinking about um, what we advocate for as a, as a nation and people? Transformation would be what's happened with my wife and I. It's transformed me from thinking about people as categories, like refugees. No, sure, they're refugees, but they're individuals. There was one day I was working my way through the masses of people in our building, and it was almost like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Bill, quit, quit calling them refugees. Quit calling them Haitians. They're all the children of God, created in God's image. Look them in the eye. And that's what I've done. And I started looking people in the eye, realizing they're as much God's child as I am. And, uh, and one of the things that came out of that was at that age, uh, 68 at that time, we had this one mother and a little boy who came across the border. And she had been so traumatized, she was not able to take care of him. So at age 68, we tried to find a foster home among the Haitian community because he, he was Haitian, although he was actually born in Brazil. Um, but um, I could not believe the words that came out of my wife's mouth when she said, we will take him. And so little Harry, whose picture you see over my shoulder here, uh, has been our son <laughs> uh, starting at 68. Becoming a foster parent at 68 was not in my life plan. And uh, I could not love him any more than I do. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says, if you welcome strangers, sometimes you entertain angels unaware. And I believe that this little fellow is an angel that God has sent to live in my home and to bring joy and happiness and love. As First uh, Pasadena reflects on how we are to engage in this work among our siblings from other parts of the world who are seeking safety, what guidance would you offer and what are some ways we might explore to support uh, the work that you are doing? I, I can just tell you from our experience that what was, what was really helpful for us is forming a team before we even had a very specific project. This immigration ministry team was really sowing seeds and preparing the way for then this decisive action. Uh, but they they needed time and uh, process and education. You know, that group spent some time in scripture study and uh, um, looking at at the issues. So I think having a team and also it can just be overwhelming. Even this piece of like providing uh, support for one woman, one woman is like suddenly there's all these dimensions. Who's going to take her to the doctor's office? How are we going to get food for her? How are we going to provide provide for her financially? How are we going to get her phone uh, access and all these things? And that's one person. So it really helps to have a team. Just pray for us. I believe in the power of prayer. Uh, follow us. You know, we have a Facebook page, uh, Safe Harbors, and just keep up with what's going on. Seeking asylum is not illegal. I mean, it's been a principle of our government for over 70 years. And uh, we encourage people to consider 
becoming part of the Safe Harbors Network. And then for people who can't do that, then help sponsor the people who can. What we have found is that we can take care of one uh, immigrant, refugee or asylum seeker, for uh, $8 a day or $250 a month. And several churches have decided, well, we will sponsor a bed for an entire year. That's $3,000. Bueno, lo que me ha, la más fuerza he tenido, bueno, en primer lugar, pues que se las he pedido a Dios, que me dé fuerza para continuar. En segundo lugar, para poder traer a mis hijos. Eso me, me da esa energía y, y continuar aquí con la fe en Dios para poder ayudar a otras personas eh, que, que vaya estén pasando lo que yo pasé o, o que van a pasar y que de repente vengan. Step out. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. I invite you to join me now in a time of prayer. Let us pray together. Hope of the world. Thou Christ of great compassion, speak to our fearful hearts by conflict rent. Save us, thy people, from consuming passion who by our own false hopes and aims are spent. God of compassion, inspire your church with the humility of Christ as your people strive to continue his work in this broken world. Where the church is effective, strengthen it. Where it struggles to be faithful, transform and reform it. Watch over all of its people and leaders, especially our Bishop Grant and our Superintendent Jim. Across the district today we lift up our brothers and sisters at Ojai United Methodist Church and at Christ United Methodist Church in Santa Maria. O oh God, shape us with generosity and with obedience, so that your love may be at work in us. Hope of the world, your Son took on human form in this world, even sharing our death. Preserve and keep your whole creation, O God. Mend and redeem the places that we have polluted and damaged, so that all the earth may bear witness to your goodness. Protect firefighters in our state as they come face to face with the dangerous results of poor decisions and our culture of waste. Comfort those who face lives that are changed by the loss of homes or because they have been displaced by the flames. Turn the nations toward life. Where human ways are unfair, give us new hearts and new spirits. Where sin permeates our cultures and institutions, change our minds and teach us to trust your law of love. Heal our conflicts, make us one, and help us to adopt habits of cooperation and sharing, to build a world founded on your intentions for the human family. Our very lives are yours, O God. Relieve the suffering of those who are ill in body, mind, or spirit. 
We continue to pray for all who suffer the effects of the coronavirus, those who are infected, as well as those who love and care for them. As we lift up all of those mentioned in today's prayer list, we especially pray that your healing presence may be felt by Consuelo Nieto, Rod Smith, and Adele Rodman-Wagner. Defend the lives and welfare of people who are abused or neglected, hungry or exploited, bullied or alone. We especially pray for your children who are suffering those ills at the edge of our national border, suffering in a desperate situation made much worse by wicked selfishness and corrupt policies. Hope of the world, thou Christ of great compassion, speak to our fearful and conflicted hearts your call to compassion and sympathy. Bless all that we do as a congregation to turn away from our own interests toward the interests of our community. Make us into signs of your mercy and your justice for all of our neighbors. Teach us always to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and as the hope of this world in all that we say and do. And now as followers of our compassionate Lord, we recall the words that he taught disciples to use when they pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of worship today from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. We hope you will join every Sunday, and when you subscribe to the church's YouTube channel, you will receive free notifications to remind you to join us for all of these online services. If you have not already done so, I invite you to take a moment to download this week's bulletin. You can find a link to that in the description to this video. We rely on the bulletin to communicate announcements of groups that are meeting and of ways that you can get involved in helping others. A guide to this worship time and to our weekly prayer list are also included for your use during the upcoming week. Following this service today, there will be a workshop exploring the pros and cons of some of the ballot initiatives on which we will be voting in November. The session is led by our own Rosalie Niemann, along with Roger and Marilyn Wylander, and they'll be using materials that are developed by the League of Women Voters. The Zoom link that you need to participate in that ses session may be found in the bulletin. If you cannot stay this morning or are watching this service at some other time, a recording of that Zoom session will be available for you to watch later. Thank you for all the ways that you continue to sustain the work of our church. If we were together in the sanctuary right now, this would be the time when I would call for us to pass the plates and receive the morning offering. During these months of quarantine, many of you have already made the transition to online giving, and a link to the church's donation website may be found in the description to this video. You can also access it when you visit the church's website, fumcpasadena.org. Please let us know if you have prayer requests or personal concerns or needs of any kind. 
connect at fumcpasadena.org is the address to use to communicate directly with the clergy staff. Be well this week, don't breathe too much smoke, and remember to wear your mask. the benediction. We have been gifted with the mind of Christ. Therefore, let us expect great things from God and let us attempt great things for God. Let us join our hearts and lives in this work. Amen. <laughs>